0: welcome to another edition of the BAME PE a Women Initiative, where we're building representation for our female leaders in physical education. My name is Srihan Lynch, and I'm a co-founder of BAME PE. Hello, my name is Laura McBean, and I'm also a co-founder of BAME PE. Would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners?
1: Sure, sure. First of all, thank you for having me. Laura, it's a pleasure. I've been getting to know you, and I appreciate being invited to this conversation. My name is Kinedra and I am from the US. I am a former Maryland physical educator um, and I'm happy to be here. And at this moment, I currently work as a health and PE specialist for the Department of Defense. What
0: was your journey into physical education?
1: So my journey into physical education started in college. Um, I had the idea to work with students who were obese. That was my focus. So I was really into fitness, and I've been into fitness since I was a teenager. My mom got me into it because she used to take us with her to her exercise classes. And I remember them jumping around and all those kind of things. And health and wellness was really emphasized in our house. We had three meals a day. Um, We took walks. Like I said, my mom brought us with her to her aerobics classes. So that's kind of when I got into it. And um, so when I went to college, I decided I was gonna go into fitness um, and I decided I wanted to help young people who were obese. And the person I had as an um, instructor for one of my exercise science classes, she talked me into going into physical education. And her idea was, why don't you help all children, not just the children who may be struggling with obesity? And so from there, I got convinced, I fell in love with exercise science and with helping kids overall. And those, that's where I got my experience in physical education was in college. So I didn't start out wanting to be a PE teacher. I started out wanting to help kids uh, with physical fitness, and then I got talked into it into, in college. So that's where I got my start, um, and I've enjoyed it ever since.
0: So um, we know you've done teaching and now you're in a government um, role. So what, sort of, what was your path like from moving from a PE teacher into your current position?
1: Oh my gosh. That my, (laughs) I don't know. It's amazing when people say that because I never thought I would be here. I, I, my plan was to teach physical education for the rest of my life. That was the plan. That was my retirement plan. I was going to teach until it was time for retirement. And so I was teaching. I taught elementary school for about 10 years, taught middle school for almost a year and a half. And um, I started applying for administration jobs in physical education. And at one point I thought I was gonna be an assistant principal. So I started applying for those too. And really what happened was I got to a point where I wanted to make more money. And unfortunately, the further away you get from kids, the more money you make. And sh- I personally feel like it shouldn't be that way because I had a passion for being in the classroom and working with kids every day. But I also had financial goals. I wanted to buy a house. I wanted to save more money. I wanted to be debt free. So I had to really think about what I wanted to do and what positions would help me to get there. And so I was teaching in one county in Maryland and our pay was frozen. We weren't getting our step increases. And that really, really frustrated me. So I started looking into um, talking to the union. Hey, when are we going to get our pay increase? And I started talking to other people in the county about it. And I just wasn't getting the answers to really make me feel comfortable to stay in the county. So I left that county and went to another county and I got a pay increase. And so that was great. I was able to save some more money, but I also started a doctorate program while I was in that county. So back to me not having any money again. So um, I, again, thinking to myself, okay, I'm in this doctorate program, I'm paying for it. Um, the county's helping me to pay for it, but I'm paying a lot of it out of pocket. I know I still have some financial goals I wanna meet, So what can I do to increase my pay? And so what happened was, again, I started applying for administration jobs and I ended up applying for one in Baltimore City Public Schools and I got that job. And so literally, I taught kids up until Thanksgiving break. I taught my middle school students up until Thanksgiving break. We had class that Monday, Tuesday, Thanksgiving break was Wednesday through Sunday. And then the following Monday, I was a coordinator of all the health and PE programs in a public school system. And thank God I had a specialist who was amazing um, because we were a team. And I had another um, person who was working with us through a grant funded position. So it was a team of three of us. And we were managing the health and PE programs in Baltimore City Public Schools. And I learned so much about the management side of health and physical education programs as opposed to the teaching sides, two different sides that you really don't understand until you actually have to do it. And so I was doing that position, loved it, loved Baltimore City, loved the teachers there, loved our kids. And then a friend of mine sent me the current position that I have, and I currently work for the Department of Defense Education Activity. And we are the school system that serves 70,000 military connected students in the United States military. So we have schools in Europe, um, we have schools in the Pacific in Japan in Okinawa we have schools right here in the Americas as well we also have schools in England um, so we have a really interesting global perspective even though even though these are public military schools um, they're still kids just like any other kids um, and so I've been in that position for the past 10 months it has been eye-opening nothing like anything I've ever seen um, but, It's given me so much more perspective about being a leader in the field of health and physical education and really understanding like politics and systems and organization and the government, it's just a lot. But at the end of the day, what remains consistent is my passion for making sure children have a quality health and physical education program. That's what it's all about. So every time I get into the, the, the challenges of the job, and there are a lot of challenges because it's just a different system to navigate, I have to remind myself, what am I here for? And so I've had a, I've had a very interesting journey because I started as an elementary school teacher, never thought I'd be working for the government full time. I've, I've worked for the government before, but not in this capacity. And now I'm like, wow, like I now have a global perspective um, more so than I did before. And I've always wanted that perspective because I've always been into equity and culturally responsive teaching for kids. So I've, I consider this a dream position and that I, I get to travel. Um, I just went to Germany in February and met with our health and PE teachers there. They're phenomenal. And so I just I don't know. I just consider myself blessed to be in the position that I'm in to make the impact that I can. We have an awesome team. It's not just me but there are other health and PE specialists. There's one per region. So there's one in um, the Americas, there's one in the Pacific, and then there's one in Europe. And then I'm the one who's kind of quote unquote at central office or our state education office. That's what we're called headquarters. Um, and so there's a team of us. And just working together with the awesome team has been great too, because it has really helped me to learn more about myself as a leader and more about our programs um, in, in the organization in which I work. So it's it's been a, it's been a whirlwind. Like literally when I left the classroom for the last time in 2018, I had no idea I would be here. I left the classroom again, had kids the week before. And then the next week I was an administrator and um, I'm grateful to be where I am. I'm humbled to be where I am, but I really realized the, the severity of the work that I do every day.
0: How have you found navigating working in this kind of environment with your identity?
1: That's a great question. So um, <clears throat> first of all, I, I credit my parents for making sure that I was a grounded person. So for me, I, I come from a two-parent household. Uh, my parents have been married for almost 40 years, 40, 40, 40 something years. Um, and so I've always had a structure in my life and that is huge in my identity. So I, I, you know, my pronouns are she, her, hers. I, that's who I, That's how I identify. I identify as being African American. However, you know, when I talk to people and I, and I taught, so I went to private schools from kindergarten through 12th grade. So I went to public school in preschool, and then I went back to public school as a teacher. That's, that's when I really got introduced to the public school system as a teacher because I didn't grow up in a public school system. And so all of that has really shaped who I am. And when i think about my parents and the sacrifices they made for my sister and i to be where we are to be educated african-american women to be women who understand our role in society like at a time like this where we have to push for equity we have to push for equality we have to push for social justice those kind of foundations that shaped me started with my parents my mother with um i was such a uh introverted student and I really liked to read and I, you know, I was a quiet kid. I didn't cause any trouble. And so when I used to get good grades in school, my mom would take me to the bookstore because I love books. And I would come back with the Babysitter's Club and R.L. Stein and all these other authors. And I would, you know, give them to my mom so she could pay for it. And she would, she would go, okay, this is nice, but I need you to go over there and get books about Black history. Go over there, get some books about Black history, get some books about Black people, and then come back and then we'll, we'll bring it all up. And she was serious. So I had to go get books about people, about black people. And that's how I learned my history. Um, And so that really shaped my identity in in terms of who I am today. I had a really, really strong base. I had two parents. We, uh, We were together as a family. I had three meals a day. We did not struggle financially. And if we did, I didn't know it. I had two working parents. My dad worked two jobs, sometimes three jobs. My mom worked for the government. And she went to work every day. I never saw them like just give up on anything. And they always pushed me to be a better person um, and to really have a a perspective of service. And that's another thing. My mom always said, you know, we are, to whom much is given, much is required. And she said that all the time. If we have it, our responsibility is to give it back. So um, I grew up in a church. I grew up as a Christian. So Thanksgiving Day, We were at church preparing meals for the homeless, and then we had to, then we got our Thanksgiving dinner. So, a lot of my identity was shaped by my parents, by the fact that I had two parents, by the fact that I had educated parents, um, and by the fact that they poured into their children and made sacrifices for us. So, when I think about physical education and the role that I have right now, all of that is what I bring to it. Yes, I'm a government official. Yes, I'm considered a leader and administrator, but I consider myself a servant first. I serve kids. I serve teachers. I'm not above anybody. um, And that's my perspective on life because that's how I was raised. And that's what I believe in. So um, for me, this work that we do um, is really about service. So when I think about my identity, yes, I'm black. Yes, I identify as African-American. Yes, I identify as a woman. But I truly believe that I am a servant. Um, I believe in God. So everything I do is kind of in that lens. How can I be a better service to the people in my community, the people in my family? And how can I be a better service to the kids that I I can impact every single day? That really is who I am. I mean, it's not, that's, that to me, it's, to me, it's simple because I'm, I believe in this work, but it's also simple because that's the way I've been raised my whole life.
0: So just thinking on that, do you have any, Sort of idea how we could raise representation for teachers in academia, moving just so they can progress up to more senior levels
1: that's a really good question and um, so in terms of my journey, i'll say a couple of different things. Number one, as I said before, having this attitude of, of of humility is really important. I have had people looking out for me that I didn't even know because of the relationships that I build and and, and because I believe they look out for me as well because I'm a humble person. And so I have people who send me, um, they sent me positions. Like somebody sent me the Baltimore City Public Schools position, two people sent it to me. And they said, you know, here's something you may be interested in or you may know someone who's interested in it. And I really do believe that that's because of the attitude that I project toward other people. So I think that when we when we look at ourselves, I think we have to look at, are we projecting um, who we really are in, in, in in the sense of we care about kids, we, we care about our profession and we want what's best. And, and I think one way we get more representation is we look for, a lot of times we look for people who are like us, but I also think that we have to look for those quiet people who may not put themselves out there. I used to be really quiet and, and I'm still an introvert, but I wasn't always a person who was gonna put myself out there. So people poured into me and I'll give you an example. I was a teacher, um, loved what I was doing. My coordinator in one of the counties I worked in, she became, um, uh, I think she became the president of our, our Shape Maryland organization. It was called Mayford at the time, but it was the uh, professional organization for our state, for the state of Maryland, the health and PE organization. It wasn't called Shape Maryland at the time, it was called Mayford. And she reached out to me and said, I want you to be on my leadership team. I wasn't gonna give it any thought. I was fine teaching. I was fine doing what I was doing. But when she reached out to me, because of the relationship I had with her, I said yes. And that put me on a path to leadership in that organization and then leadership in Shape America and then more leadership. Like I started putting myself out there more. But I don't know if I would have done that if somebody hadn't seen something in me to want me to be a part of helping them to lead. So I think one of the things we have to do when we talk about representation of women, of people of color, of um, black people, is we have to be the ones to look into our network and and identify those people that we think bring something very valuable to the table. Because sometimes people are just not gonna put themselves out there. They just might not do it. They might not see themselves as a leader. They may not think about um, what leadership, what they can contribute, Or they may think that that leadership is just too much. I don't want to do all of that. And so we have to identify, okay, who do I know? Well, for example, I now know Laura. I know you are a leader. So if there's something that comes up, I may go to you and say, hey, I saw this position or I've seen this uh, whatever, and I think you would be great for it. So I think we have to be very intentional in looking inside of our circle and our network and pointing to people who we think can lead this charge forward. Whether it's social justice, whether it's leadership, whether it's um, diversity, whatever it is, I think we have to be intentional about that. And then when they get in those positions, we have to support them. I am huge on having a mentor. I think we, we should all have a mentor because you're gonna have some experiences where you are by yourself. Like as a black female teacher, there have been times where I get on a call or I go into a session or a meeting and I'm the only one. And I'm like, where's everybody else? Like, I'm not the black, the black voice, where, where are my colleagues? Where's everybody else? And so people, can, people don't always realize when they ask you to do something and you're the only one, you feel a certain way, you feel lonely, you feel like you gotta, you know, you can't mess up because now people are gonna think you're speaking for the whole race and all that. So I think when we get people, when we tap people to do this work, who are in our network, we have to make sure that we also stay there to support them. Hey, if you need something, reach out to me. If you wanna jump on a call and just talk through and just share some stuff, reach out to me. We have to build our network of support. We can't just put you in a position or recommend you for a position and then just leave you there because there are gonna come some days where you're not gonna wanna do this. You're gonna wanna give it up. So definitely looking in our network and tapping people who are untapped resources providing that support for them when they get into those positions and then kind of having conversations outside of this work. Like we talk about PE and we talk about social justice, but I'm ready to go to the beach. Like, you know what I mean? Like sometimes I just want to talk about just fun stuff. I don't want to always be heavy into um, these topics because they surround us all the time. Like, it's like, you know, you never, you can never leave your blackness and that's fine. I love being black but sometimes I just wanna go somewhere and chill the heck out. And so sometimes having conversations that have nothing to do with intersections and um, race and politics and all that, and just having conversations about who you are as a person, what do you enjoy? Let's get together, get on a call and just cut up and be silly. Like I am huge on self-care. So yes, identify folks who can do the work, yes, provide them with support, but also let's talk about self-care. Let's do some yoga together. Let's watch some crazy stuff together, some comedies or something, and and pull back from this seriousness of what we do all the time and just have fun.
0: So just before we wrap up, do you have any final thoughts, anything you'd like to share?
1: Um, I would just share that I am very blessed to be in a space right now where I can have these kind of conversations. When I came into the profession in 2006, I never again thought I would be here having these kind of conversations I never thought I would be um, in this kind of community. I, again, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about talking to you and how you are, you know, in in London and how awesome that is. And so I I love having a network of people who are worldwide, who are global, who don't think like me, who can challenge me on some things because it really helps me to grow as a person. And so one thing I would say is we often get together in groups, in circles and talk to people who think the way we do. But most of my, I don't wanna say most of my challenges, but a lot of times I get challenged when I am in a room with people who don't think like me. And that's when I have to really dig deep to make sure that I'm articulate and that I'm educated about the information I'm bringing forth. Because now I'm talking to people who don't know what I'm talking about. Or now I'm talking to people who I have to convince in some way to do more research or understand what social justice is or understand what identity means. And so I am making a serious effort this year to surround myself with people who also don't think like me. I mean, I have a great network of people who are on it, who want to talk about these things, but I'm also making an effort to add to my circle or add to my network people who can challenge me um, in terms of my, the way I think and in terms of the knowledge that I have because it's it's just easier to to always associate with people who you know, or or to associate with people who think like you. And so my challenge to myself is to surround myself now with people who, yes, they think like me, but also talking to people who don't think like me and, and kind of seeing their perspective as well. And that's a challenge because, you know, when people say certain things, I'm like, you're, I'm thinking to myself, that's completely inaccurate. That's wrong. But I gotta calm down of like, okay, let me let me hear their perspective and then respond. Or let me think about that and then respond. So that's a challenge to myself. And I put that challenge out there to anyone else. Broaden your circle to to include people who may not necessarily share your views the way you do.